I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good Sunday evening, everyone. Welcome to the Rocky Top Roundtable. Rocky Top Rewind, I should say. I am Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Sunday evening with Eric Kane, who joins us uh, each and every Sunday. Actually, runs this program each and every Sunday. I jumped the gun there in front of him, and uh, we got everything rolling. Lots to get to tonight, Eric. Lots of things going on in Tennessee, as expected, uh, based on what happened Saturday in the college football playoff. Um, finds themselves in the Orange Bowl. What an not really a surprise today when you saw the rankings come out. To me, I, I didn't expect any major movement other than the two teams losing, and I thought but that TCU would stay and Ohio State would jump in. So I wasn't shocked by the news of today in terms of where everybody's slotted at. I don't know about you. No, I, I wasn't shocked. I mean, when you watch the college football weekend, you saw Southern Cal lose on Friday nights, and then, of course, you saw um, you, know, you, you saw some other teams, Clemson, you know, winning – on Saturday night, of course, it was already out because of the loss to South Carolina. But you saw some of those teams losing, and then you, you had a big push for you know Alabama to you know maybe get in that college football playoff. And of course, you had Nick Saban uh, go on some some network television and some radio and try to you know plead his case for the Crimson Tide. But nonetheless, it was Georgia at one, Michigan at two, TCU at three, and then Ohio State at number four. Alabama does come in in front of Tennessee at number five, and Alabama will go to the Sugar Bowl, but Tennessee comes in there at number six. So once we saw everything kind of play out, it was just an assumption that Tennessee was going to go to the Orange Bowl. It's what we thought this entire time uh, before potentially Ohio State, if it was left out of the playoff, you know, might try to go to the Orange Bowl, shifting Tennessee to the Cotton Bowl. But, of course, Ohio State does get in, does get that final spot, so all that is negated. Um, I think Tennessee fans are excited. Uh, I, I think Tennessee fans will travel. It's It's going to be a – you know, down in South Beach, going to be sunny. It's going to be orange against orange, Clemson against Tennessee. Um, I think Clemson's motivated as well. Sure, they want to be in the playoff just like Tennessee, but uh, Dabo Sweeney on the on the press conference earlier today said he's jacked up and ready to roll. They got a big win in the, uh, the title game over North Carolina. So I think there's a little bit of juice to this matchup, though. Again, both teams probably do want to be in the playoffs. Yeah, no question. I mean, you know, we'll see where the opt-outs are for each team. Obviously, Clemson just – in the last few minutes, uh, becoming official that DJ is, is going in the transfer portal. We'll see. I, I'm assuming he's not going to be with the team. He may finish it out. I don't know what he'll do there. But, you know, Clemson seemed to find a quarterback uh, last night in the ACC championship game. Now, uh, North Carolina's not exactly stopped anybody this year defensively. So I, I don't know that, you know, that they're, that the Clemson quarterback is, is ready for the Heisman Trophy list right now. Uh, but certainly there's a lot of Clemson fans today wondering why in the world Dabo Sweeney didn't play him earlier and let him play through some growing pains as a freshman and uh, have him ready, you know, uh, ha- you know, or at least gone to him in, in the North Carolina State game just to see, you know, if they could have got some some more offense going when, when they only threw for 99 yards in that game. So um, we'll see what Clemson's at, you know, where are they on the on the opt out deals? Um, but, but where will, where will Tennessee be on any opt outs? You know, uh, I will be surprised if Cedric Tillman plays. We'll see what happens with Jalen Hyatt. We'll see what happens with Darnell Wright. 
Um, I, I think that I think Darnell Wright is going to play um, based on kind of what I'm hearing right now. And, and Austin can chime in on that a little bit more later on. I, I don't know as much about Jalen Hyatt. We'll see what he elects to do a, as well. So, um, a, again, it's that age-old question, right? If, you, if you'd have said in the preseason, 10-2 and two in an Orange Bowl, everybody would have jumped all over it. But when you watch the playoff rankings come out, you hear everybody talking about it, you, you, you understand exactly what – um, the significance of, of the loss to South Carolina ended up being for this team. And uh, that was a difficult day. They didn't get it done. And as a result, Tennessee's setting where they are uh, in, in the Orange Bowl. And um, we'll, we'll see how this team prepares. We'll see how this team looks. We'll see what they do on offense. Obviously, there's news there. There's there's a lot of stuff going yeah. on right now for, for it to be. Uh, and I knew today would be a busy day with the bowl stuff. But there's there's just a, there's a whole lot going on. They had recruits on campus. Um, they got recruits coming back to campus. They got early enrollees coming to campus for bowl practice. And then obviously Josh Heupel's got a hire to make. Yeah, there's a lot to discuss and we're going to get over it or we're going to talk about all that stuff over the next, uh, you know, 55 minutes or so. You mentioned Austin Price will join us at 845 as always. You mentioned opt-outs there, the potential of what this game might look like. And you know, that's just kind of the nature of the beast nowadays with the college football playoff and the news coming out. Uh, gosh, I guess it was Friday, maybe Thursday night about the expanded college football playoffs going to 12 at some point or another um, or in 2024, actually. And um, so some of these games, they just kind of lose a little bit of that juice. Um, you mentioned Cedric Tillman. You mentioned some of the other ones like Darnell Wright and Jalen Hyatt. Those will be something that we have to pay attention to on Tennessee's side. But uh, obviously for Clemson as well, Josh Heupel today on the press conference uh, for the Orange Bowl and Selection Sunday, he was asked about opt-outs. This is what Tennessee's head coach Josh Heupel had to say about what his team should look like come Orange Bowl time. I certainly expect most of our guys to, to be there. Um, there's guys that uh, are still gain, gaining information and, you know, guys that were nicked up on the back half of, of the season that, you know, got to see where they get to uh, here over the, the coming days and, and make a, a smart, educated decision for them and, and their future. But this is a special football game. This is important to our program. It's important to our players inside of the locker room. Uh, especially, uh, I certainly uh, believe that uh, um, we'll have, um, you know, a majority, if not a full roster, when we uh, when we get down there for it. You're not going to expect anything less from Josh Heupel there. I mean, he's not going to come out and say, "Oh, I think I'm going to have four or five guys not play or whatever." But kind of like you said, we'll we'll check on Cedric Tillman. I like you would be surprised if he played. See about Jalen Hyatt. We'll watch Darnell Wright. Uh, someone down here is asking about Jeremy Banks. I just think this is going to be a fluid thing, just like. With the transfer portal officially opening tomorrow, you've always got to watch everything because these type of bowl games could look a little bit different in terms of the key personnel that you've been sporting all season long. Well, and you, I mean, look, you've got a couple of variables, right? You have the injury variable. We're, we're some guys, they feel like they're 100%. I mean, Alante Taylor made a right decision a year ago. His yep. foot wasn't well, uh, and it helped him by getting well. That was not an opt-out like, I just don't want to play football. That was an opt-out. I need to get myself right and, and get ready for, for the, the draft and uh, get ready for the senior bowl and, and be able to put my best foot forward, and that was the right decision for him. Uh, you've also got a, a situation where um, you have uh, academics involved. You know, you got to finish final exams, and you got to see what happens there. And um, I, I don't – you know, I don't know anything, but they haven't gone through final exams, and we'll see what everybody looks like there. you got to pass six hours in, in order to be eligible for postseason play. So a lot, a lot of things, you know, I know everybody wants the answer right now, uh, but, you know, we'll wait and see, um, you know, what, what happens, you know, uh, over the course of the next week, week and a half, as guys gather more information, classes end, and, and all those types of things. 
Now, Tennessee's opponents on December the 30th in the uh, Hard Rock Stadium, it'll be Miami. Uh, Tennessee's playing Clemson. It's going to have, you mentioned uh, DJ, quarterback, you know, likely entered the transfer portal. That report came out just before we took the air here. Uh, but they went ahead and make the move to the, the true freshman in Kay Klubnik. And um, he played really well. Had over 300 total yards. He had over two touchdowns total. Uh, came in in the third series, I believe, when DJ started like 2 of 5 with two three and outs. And he kind of jump-started that offense. Now, I think Austin pointed this out in one of the videos earlier today. He, you know, he hadn't had many opportunities for Clemson so far this year. And when he did, I mean, I think he had four passes against Syracuse, six passes in the opener against Georgia Tech where he threw a touchdown. He looked really good the other night. Let's hear from Dabo Sweeney. This video is a little bit choppy. He was, I think he was on the recruiting trail earlier this afternoon, but was asked about what he expects from his new starting quarterback come the Orange Bowl against Tennessee in a Kate Klubnik. Hopefully just, uh, you know, first of all, great preparation like he's been having, but then just, you know, playing within the system and, uh, you know, just being smart with the ball and, and just, you know, doing what he's coached to do. And I thought he did an amazing job of that uh, last night. And, uh, you know, so really just hopefully pick up where he left off. But he was, he was accurate, made good decisions outside of maybe one or two in the run game. Uh, he extended some plays. Uh, did some things with his legs. So uh, just continue to, again, you know, you know, play within the system, uh, you know, bring, bring that great energy and uh, protect the football. You know, like the coaches, Brent, you and I haven't gotten heavy on our Clemson prep just yet, but from your observation, seeing Clemson play some this year with DJ, seeing Clemson play Saturday nights uh, with the new quarterback in Cade, how is Clemson different offensively and what are those challenges going to be for Tennessee's defense? Well, in the North Carolina game, they were just, they had a rhythm about yeah. them. They had a flow about them. Um, when you've watched Clemson play um, earlier or at different points in time this season, it's just been so helter skelter because th their quarterback play has been so rough at times and inaccurate at times that uh, they've had a hard time moving the ball. And, and what you wanted to do is, you know, make them drive the length of the football field and, and see what happens. There's been other moments where it's been really good, right? They've, they, they've looked good. I mean, they scored a bunch of points against Wake Forest and uh, all of that, but, but they clearly had some issues um, with that. I don't think they're, they, they have, they, you know, Shipley's a good player. They can do some things at the, at the receiver spot. They're not as dynamic at receiver as, they, as they've been in the past in some ways, but uh, they seem to make some plays and have seemed to get uh, gotten open. Um, and last night they had a rhythm. Uh, you know, North Carolina takes that opening possession, goes down 7 nothing, and they had a chance to jump on them pretty good. Uh, and and they, they failed to do that. And um, then they turned the ball over and did a couple things that gave Clemson some momentum. And Clemson seized control of the football game and, and ran away with it. Um, that's an interesting North Carolina team when you look at how they closed the season. To lose three straight, uh, the, the way that they did uh, and losing to um, North Carolina State, losing to Georgia Tech, and then losing in, in the championship game. I mean, that's a big-time disappointing finish for them from where they were. Defensively, they didn't progress a whole lot, and uh, we'll see what happens with them moving forward. But that was a team that seemed to be playing a lot better football a month ago than they did the back half of the season. So, um, But I don't want to take anything away from Clemson. They, they – you know, they look like they were exercising some ghosts last night, like some stuff started yeah. working, and they were like, hey, this is good. Um, so they, they, they're going to have momentum going into um, – certainly going into bowl prep. 
uh, as opposed to what they had coming out of the South Carolina loss. So that was a big win for them. And, and we'll see. Tennessee's got a chance to um, – Got a chance to prepare for the quarterback for a month and, and see what they so what they can get done. You know, North Carolina probably didn't have a whole lot of tape and a whole lot of things to prepare for there to know what they were getting out of out of him, and and that may have changed a little bit of the, with them. And then I think more importantly for Tennessee, you know, th- this next three weeks or whatever the total number now is to get ready to play. This is about Joe Milton. Okay, I mean. Joe Milton knows he's the guy. This is like a mini camp for him. Go back, get some things right, get the timing right with your receiver, with your receivers. Figure out who you're going to have, who you're not going to have, and, and get get you know get the offensive plan in place. Figure out how the offense is going to work without Alex Golish. You know, th- this is a lot about Joe Milton and, and Tennessee finding their rhythm. I mean, they scored 56 points against Vanderbilt, but we've yeah. talked about it. Vanderbilt quit in the second half. They got the ground game going. They're not going to rush for 300 and some odd yards against Clemson unless Clemson's whole defensive front opts out. They're going to have a hard time rushing for that kind of yards. Joe Milton's going to have to make plays. He's now got a longer chance to to get ready. He's over the surprise or the shock of the Hendon Hooker injury, um, and, and now he's got to get himself right. This is on Joe Milton to get himself going in Tennessee to get him uh, cleaned up and get everything ready to go so that you don't have all the overthrows that he had uh, in the Vanderbilt game, weather was a factor, uh, and all of that. So we'll see where Joe Milton's at, you know, in, in this bowl game. I think it's an important bowl game for Joe. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, we'll continue to break down Clemson over the course of the next couple of weeks. You know, on paper, they've certainly been a team that likes to run with Will Shipley in the backfield and throw to Antonio Williams, a freshman. He leads the team in receptions and receiving yards. They love to throw to their running backs. They love to throw their tight ends. Will that change at all offensively for Clemson with Clay Klubnick in there? No, we'll have to find out. We'll see. Um, before we hit a 60, though, I do want to ask you, let's go back here to the college football playoff rankings, um, and we'll take your questions here in segment number two if you guys have any. Uh, Brent, TCU loses the Big 12 title game uh, but stays in at number three in the college football playoff rankings. They ask why TCU was three instead of four, if it had anything to do with a potential rematch with Michigan-Ohio State. Um, the committee said no, that wasn't about it. But nonetheless, TCU stays in. Was that the right choice? And I think it was, you know, simple math just to move Ohio State up there to number four, and obviously the Buckeyes are in as well. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing you would like to say, right? Like you, you would like to say TCU's resume is better. Okay, they've got they've got more quality wins. Their strength of schedule ultimately is better. Um, they've only got one loss, just like Ohio State. Um, so on, on the surface, you would say that's the reason why they're there, and, and I'm sure that's that's the that, that's the biggest part of it. Um, but when both Ohio State and TCU were undefeated, TCU had a better resume, a better strength of schedule. They weren't two in the college football playoff ranking. Um, so I, I, I think the potential rematch thing in the semifinals is a deal. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, TV ratings are a part of this. Um, so, I, it, you know, I, I don't, you can't say now that it's about their, their body of work when it wasn't about their body of work when they were both undefeated. I don't think. Um, but, again, that's just my opinion. I, I think the happiest team in the college football playoff right now is Michigan because I think Michigan physically is better than TCU. And so I think Michigan's got an easier path to the championship game. I think Georgia will beat Ohio State, but that's got a, that, that's got a potential national championship Donnybrook game to it. Now, Georgia's got a home field advantage because they're playing in the Dome. 
Um, but but I think I think Michigan when they saw that today went, yeah, we're good with that. We 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 absolutely <laughs> like that that deal there. It's hard to beat a team twice, as we know. Um, so I'm sure Michigan's probably the happiest team right now in, in the college football playoff ranking. I think if you ask Georgia, who are the tougher matchups for you, it would be um, TCU would be the easiest, and then they would probably go, you know, Michigan or Ohio State a bit in the toss up there. So Georgia as the one seed probably feels like TCU should be the four, um, but there's all kinds of variables in, in this in this playoff committee deal, and I don't, I don't think it's anything. I don't think it's anything crazy like some vast conspiracy. I just think there's a, there's an emotional human element to it, to that side of it that nobody can predict, Eric. You can't predict. You can guess on where teams are going to be, but it's hard to predict the rationale or hard to discuss the rationale on why some things are done because you just don't know what, what people are thinking. I said this on the message board earlier because everybody's talking about Tennessee should be ahead of Alabama. Um, because of their strength of schedule and everything that is, is going on. And I don't, I don't disagree with that. You know, uh, the Hendon Hooker factor is, is real, not having Hendon Hooker, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. I think that's real in the playoff committee's eyes. And then who's to say that somebody on that 13 panel committee said, well, why should Alabama be ranked ahead of Tennessee? Somebody said, well, because they're Alabama. Right? I mean, yeah. the reputation of Alabama, that's why. I mean, that's not right, but we don't know – the feelings and the human equation of this, because you don't know what those 13 people are thinking. That's kind of been my, not my soapbox, but kind of my theme of this thing all the way through it. You just don't know what goes through those guys' heads and, and, and what they're thinking about and, and their rationale for what the, the, you know, the votes that they make and the decisions that they play. It's not computers. That's why the, uh, that's why the rankings have looked slightly different each and every single week. It's not computers putting in data. It is 13 people going around discussing what they think and why they think it's. But yeah, Kirby was put up on the television. And for a guy who is undefeated SEC champion and uh, is ranked number one in the college football playoff rankings, he did not look too thrilled when discussing his matchup with Ohio State <laughs> and not a potential TCU. And again, no disrespect to TCU. They've uh, they've made me look like a fool a couple times this year as well. But uh, I would much rather play TCU than at Ohio State. Hey, one, one, one thing before we get a break on the playoff committee, because I want, I, we're going to take everybody's question. We're going to talk about Alex Golish and all those things. There's plenty to talk about. It, it, this doesn't really factor now, Eric, because the playoffs are going to expand in 24. But I would like to have seen if it, you know, and I would like to see them in a four, in the four-team scenario they've been in the last few years after following it this closely this year. Once you pick your first four teams, after that, just go to your three or four printed criteria and be done with it. Right. Yeah. Like, like whoever is, I mean, slot those teams, the ranking based on head to head is kind of your core criteria and don't get into it. Cause I don't even know how much they discuss six through or even five through 10 once they figured out who their top four are, but then it affects those teams and it affects their bowl games. And, and so, Somebody might say, well, I mean, Alabama was close to getting in, so we'll just put them at five. Well, from a from a from your list of criteria, they, they don't deserve to be five. Just like Penn State didn't deserve to be eight. So once you get past four, why not just do it based on almost computer like, right? Just take, hey, this is what their resume is. The best resume goes next, the following resume, and ascend it on down the line that way. But it doesn't matter because we're going to expand this thing and we can get rid of the get rid of that factor. Um, moving forward, because I think once you get to 12, it's going to be nobody's going to have a real case at 13 for anybody to get in. 
Oh, but there will be, Brent. There will be. There'll be. Yeah, there'll be. It's, it's not. It's not. I mean, even now in the NCAA tournament, Team 69 doesn't have. I mean, there's a beef every now and then, but it's not. It's going to be hard to sit there and look at whoever 13 is and yeah. go, man, they got a real shot to win this thing, you know, as opposed to saying, you know, you just got four teams and, and here we go. I mean, that just – that's going to always create the drama. They're going to lose that drama with their 12-team deal. Now, it's going to make up for it in December, but they're going to lose the November drama when only trying to figure out four teams. And again, with all due respect, Tulane would lose by 25 at least to Georgia, and you know, because they'd be the last seed in the, the college football playoffs this year. All right, let's get a quick 60. Alex Golish, Tennessee's offensive coordinator, leaving Tennessee after two seasons is to uh, to become the head coach at USF. What's that loss mean? How will Tennessee fill the void? More on that when the Rockets Top Rewind returns. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back in here to the Rocky Top Rewind every Sunday night, 8 o'clock, VolQuest.com and the VolQuest YouTube channel. If you are watching, please like and subscribe to this channel. I saw Lee chimed in here a moment ago, said that uh, uh, Lee is in the Philippines. So, hey, that is awesome. Uh, that's really, really awesome. So I appreciate you and everybody else uh, for checking us out and hanging out with me, Eric Kane, and Brent Hubbs here tonight. All right, we're going to get into your questions here in just one moment. But first, Brent Hubbs. Alex Golish leaving Tennessee to become the next head coach at USF. Uh, reports came out, including our own and Matt Zenitz have on three on Saturday night. It became official on Sunday morning. Alex Golish, how big of a loss is this for Tennessee? And what's the direction potentially that we could see Josh Heupel in going? Well, I think it's a loss. I think Alex did a really good job at Tennessee. And uh, I think he and Josh Heupel had developed a really good relationship working together. They were kind of in each other's head a little bit and made that offense hum along really well. Um, what is, where does Josh Heupel go from here? Um, Josh Heupel pretty protective of his offense. Okay. So I, I don't think he's going to go out and hire some big name coordinator and give him the keys to the offense and say, Hey, it's yours. Uh, when Alex Golish came to Central Florida, um, it was very much to learn the offense and to kind of grow in the offense. And with each passing year, um, he gained more responsibilities. And and this year he had more freedom uh, in calling the offense and, and everything that he's ever had. And he did a really good job. Uh, so I think you're going to see Josh Heupel hire a tight ends coach that's a recruiter. I think Josh Heupel is going to be even more hands-on with an offense that he's very hands-on with now will call his own plays um, probably, uh, and then we'll see where guys are groomed. We'll see where Joey Halsley is in six or eight months from now. Um, you, we'll see what who the tight ends coach is and what that looks like and uh, all of those types of things. That's kind of my gut feeling right now, Eric. That could change. Um, part of the issue with hiring an offense coordinator, aside from Josh Heupel, it being his offense – uh, which is hard for, for him to certainly give away or, or turn over to somebody else. A lot of offensive coordinators are quarterback coaches. 
Yeah. And Joey Halsley is Josh Heupel's quarterback coach because it's an extension of Josh Heupel. So um, that's the hard part. It's going and finding an, an OC or, or who would be a tight ends coach or shuffling some things around that way. So my guess is you're going to see Josh Heupel right now hire a tight ends coach and continue to groom what he's got uh, on his campus and continue to lean on guys that he's been around for a while, like Joey Halsley and Glenn Ellerby. I think Ellerby's more involved in offensive game planning than we probably give him credit for. He's not calling plays on Saturdays, but in terms of getting a plan together, I think Glenn Ellerby is very heavily involved with Josh Heupel and with Alex Golish on that the past couple of years. Yeah, for sure. And I'm kind of like you. I would lean right now. Things can always change. I would lean – you know, it's the caveat there is you got to have somebody coach tight ends, and you and I, you know, it's like beating a dead horse. We talk about the tight end position and how important it is in this offense. So that's a caveat here, and I, I could very easily see going and grabbing a tight ends coach, promoting from within, you know, nurturing, grooming, calling the plays if Josh Heupel. But again, you know, we'll see. It's early in the process. Derek brings up a good point here. It says I hate Coach Golich is leaving, but that's a testament to how good our staff is now. If no one wants him as head coaches then they're probably not good coordinators either. And, and that's pretty much what Josh Heupel said earlier today on the Orange Bowl Selection Sunday press conference when asked how big of a loss is Alex Golish, what's your thoughts on that, and and kind of how they're going to try to fill that void. This is what uh, Josh Heupel had to say. Yeah, um, you know, certainly uh, losing Alex is, uh, is something that uh, we're excited about. Um, I think it speaks to the growth inside of our, our program. And when I say that, just that, you know, the success that we're having on the field, uh, the style of play, the culture that we have inside of our building, uh, for him to have an opportunity to, to go run his own program is one that uh, I am and, and our staff are excited for him to have that opportunity. And, and uh, in the coming days, uh, we'll understand how we want to uh, fill that uh, out on the recruiting trail and then as we get into game preparation uh, as well. But uh, excited for him. And again, I think it speaks uh, so well to, to what our players and our staff have done in a short amount of time here at Tennessee. You know, I chuckled in real time during that press conference, Brent, when he said, you know, losing Alex, that's that's something we're excited about. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But he goes on and says, again, like Derek was just pointing out, if you're not being, you know, pickpocketed every single offseason you're not doing something right you're not successful you don't have a good program look at Nick Saban I mean he rolls through coordinators all the time right I, I don't think anybody feel comfortable well I'll take that back if you're winning national championships every year then I, I guess you'll be okay but um it's not to that point yet but that's something good for Alex Golish congrats to him and um that, that means you're heading in the right direction just you know not only with a 10 and 2 regular season record it is uh it is uh an iconic uh you know, bowl experience and, um, you know, one that uh, I know everyone will, will enjoy being a part of. You know, Eric Palms and, and the entire Orange Bowl uh, staff, uh, they do an amazing job, as does everybody that's affiliated uh, with this bowl. So, and then uh, you throw in the fact that you get a chance to compete against a, a team like Tennessee uh, that that may, may, you know, be the best team in the country this year. Um, you know, they, they – are one of those teams that certainly, uh, you know, can play with anybody, and they showed that all year. Uh, and uh, so it's a great matchup, and I know both teams, both fan bases will be super excited uh, to, to see these teams compete on the field. But we're thankful uh, for the opportunity, and, again, really proud of our team for how they competed and, and to win this ACC championship and uh, earn the right to get back to the Orange Bowl in New Year's Six. So. 
Again, that was Dabo Sweeney earlier today on the uh, the press conference there with both head coaches. But uh, again, just a testament to um, the program, uh, where you're at right there, New Year's Six Bowl game, but also to the guys that helped you get there in Alex Golish. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see the direction Tennessee wants to go in, Brent. Yeah, we will. And, and again, I mean, Alex Golish wanted to be a head coach. I've seen some people in the comments section saying they were surprised that he left for this job. South Florida has been a difficult job. The Bull. That, that job in Tampa has been tough. They've, they've eat some coaches up. Jeff Scott, a former Clemson offensive coordinator, uh, really struggled there and, and was the guy who, who was fired to create the opening for Golish. Now, South Florida's invested in a facility. They're, they're talking about investing in a stadium and putting a lot more money into athletics. That was probably something that was appealing. But I think Alex Golish had an itch to run a program. And, and, that, and that's not because he was unhappy here. He didn't like Josh Heupel or there was some issue on staff, anything. I just think he had the itch to be in charge and, and wanted to run a program and um, felt like this was a, with his ties to, to South Florida. Um, and and he, he knows quite a bit down there in the seven on seven scene, has some relationships with guys there, was obviously in Orlando for a year. Uh, felt like that was an opportunity um, to, to, to get, to, you know, to get going and, and to, to get his head coaching career going. Again, he's got a challenge in front of him. That's not an easy job. So we'll see if all those resources come about and, and certainly wish Coach Golish the best. He, he was not unhappy here. His family loved it here. I just think the itch for him to be a head coach was just too much for him to say no to at this point. Here's a question that I think you can answer because I'm not sure if I uh, if I know the answer for sure. PC Showtime says, right on VolQuest Tuesday or today, that uh, Alex Golish um, you know, being hired away. Who was the last Tennessee assistant hired as head coach? Was it David Cutcliffe? Was, was he the last one? Hired away to be a head coach? Now, some eventually went on to be head coaches. but Yeah, I mean, away. Randy Sanders ended up being a head coach, but he wasn't – he obviously wasn't a head coach when he left Tennessee. Um, Doug Marone left Tennessee to go to the NFL – I'm just trying to think of prominent guys who left. Right, right off the top of my head, I, I want to say yes, unless somebody left for a small job who was just a position coach that I don't remember. I'll have to go back and look through, and I'll try to do that right quick here. But um, you know what? Dave Clawson got fired here and ended up with the head coaching job at Bowling Green. Okay, that's right. <laughs> he didn't really right leave. He didn't leave here to take another job. He got he got run out of here and got fired from here to 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 take on another job. Uh, Justin Wilcox went to be a coordinator. Um, Sam Pittman left. He was not retained. Nah, I mean that that may be right. I'll have to go back and look and and see if I if I'm missing somebody um, right off the top of my head. That certainly feels right, but I don't know that that's the case. Josh Conklin may have left here. Uh, to end up being the head coach over at Wofford. I'd have to go back and look at that one. In terms of big-name guys leaving for a bigger job who was coveted by another school that way, I mean, you, you would certainly, you know, maybe go back all the way to Cutcliffe. Uh, Derek's also want to know, um, is, is it known yet if he's going to coach in the bowl game? Brent, I would assume not. I don't think that's a belief right now, but have you heard anything else on that? No, he's not going to coach in the bowl game. Okay, just go go ahead and, and start your new tenure down at USF. He's done it. Yeah. Josh Heupel was also asked, and he didn't really answer this, but kind of in your opinion, uh, you know, it, it's a very busy time for recruiting right now. You're going to be hitting the, 
you're going to be hitting the planes, hitting the interstates, and you got to go recruit. Obviously, you would promote an internal staff type guy, uh, but that's not a long-term fix. But, I mean, Tennessee's probably just going to have to bring somebody off the support staff to put on the road. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what they'll do. And and I knew, I knew I'd miss somebody. Tyson Helton got the Western Kentucky job. Um, he left right after the Vanderbilt game. That's why I hate those questions because I'm old and I get put on the spot and I can't remember. Well, I should have known that one. I mean. Um, and so there you go. I mean, you get more information over on the right screen in the comments section than, than, you, than you do when somebody asks me a question that I can't come up with an answer for. So Tyson Helton would, would, would be the last guy, uh, to take that as he took the Western K- Kentucky job. Um, as for, uh, your point, yes, they will, they will put a QC, quality control guy, an analyst, a GA or some kind on the road for that 10th spot to go out and have a presence in some schools and see some uh, 24s and things like that. Um, And that may change week to week, right? Like they may put a defensive guy on the road for week one or an offensive guy on the road here for week one uh, to cover all their bases. And then they may feel like they need a defensive guy to go into Golish's territory in week two here. So, um you know, we'll see, but that but you will replace that with with one of those guys. They're not going to put, you know, Philip Fulmer put Judy Jackson on the road years ago, um, and, and I don't see anything like that. I think this will be just a straight, you know, QC or uh, um, something like that. And and by the way, Zach at Zachary Whitfield at thirty two, you're not old. You're a long ways from being old. I'll, I'll let you know when you get to old. Uh, happy birthday, by the way. Yeah, happy birthday. I feel like I should have known that one too because that was just a couple of we- uh, years ago. But again, I don't, I don't remember the 2018. You know, Tennessee I mean, I mean I'm there. not firing him. I mean, we're not firing him. I there mean, he's go, taking yeah. a job at Western Kentucky. Wouldn't say, wouldn't characterize Where's that AP offense as explosive, but nonetheless. Hey, uh, let's grab another sixty when we come back. SEC teams in bowl games, some of those other big intriguing matchups. Plus, there's going to be a lot of team news uh, regarding postseason awards. Alex Golish, now at USF, is still up for the Brawls Award. Will Hendon Hooker be a Heisman finalist? We'll know all that information coming up in the next couple of days, and we'll talk about it coming up next right here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Brent Hubs, Eric Kane here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Appreciate you guys for coming and hanging out with us here today. If you're just finding our show, we're at it here for the Rocky Top Rewind every Sunday night at 8 o'clock for one hour. So appreciate you guys for hanging out with us. If you're new to VolQuest or don't know anything about us and you like our content, you can sign up for a VolQuest.com membership right now for only $10. Right now for $10, you're going to get a one-year subscription to VolQuest.com. That deal is going to be up until kickoff 2023. So go ahead and, uh, and and do that right now. Make it a stocking stuffer as well with Christmas right around the corner. Uh, Brent, you got 11, I believe, 11 teams from the SEC. They're in the playoff or going bowling. Of course, Georgia's in the playoff. Uh, Alabama is in the Sugar Bowl. Tennessee's in the Orange Bowl. Florida's going to take on Oregon State in the Vegas Bowl. The Gasparilla Bowl is going to be Missouri and Wake. Arkansas and Kansas in the Liberty Bowl, Ole Miss and Texas Tech in the Texas Bowl, South Carolina and Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl, got Kentucky in the Music City Bowl against Iowa, Mississippi State, Illinois in the, I don't even know what that bowl is, and uh, LSU and Purdue is in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, pretty good year, pretty decent year for the conference in terms of getting 11 teams going to bowling. Um, you know, Are there any of those matchups intriguing or any surprises there from you? 
Um, no, not really. I, I think when you when you look at it, it's kind of what what you thought would would be the case. Um, you know that that Arkansas Kansas game, you know, has got some has got some appeal to it um, to me because I, I think you're trying to figure out a little bit where both of those teams are and, and kind of what they're about. Um, you know, and again, I, I think the challenge with bowls now, Eric, is just who really wants to be there, right? Like, like who's it? Who's it important to? I, I think, I think getting teams ready to play in bowl games is is one of the hardest things for coaches to do, right? And, and coaches have a hard time. Um, I think it's hard to get eighteen to twenty two year olds ready to play for 12 consecutive weeks, right? I mean, I think that's why you see teams do some crazy things, lose some games you can't you, you shouldn't lose, that type of thing. I think it's I think it may be harder to get a team ready for a bowl game because who who wants to be there and and what does your roster look like? Um, you know, I, I think I think bowl games are more challenging than they've ever been right now. Like like does does Alabama want to play in a bowl game? No. You know, I mean, I, I don't know that. I mean, the feeling is no, you know, so how does Nick Saban get a team ready? How many opt-outs do they have? Um, there's just lots of questions like that, that um, last year was a little different because you had a, you had a bunch of teams um, in the first, you know, kind of first time getting back to a bowl. They were in a rebuild mode. You had several teams, you know, getting back in, trying to get back going a little bit. This year's a little bit different, so we'll see. We'll just see how many teams are ready to play in a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, it'd be the same situation if Ohio State, you know, didn't. If USC didn't get bumped and Ohio State, USC won, and, and Ohio State was still on the outside looking in, Ohio State would have likely been in the Orange Bowl because, I mean, again, they were, they were politicking not to go back to the Rose Bowl. They didn't want to go to any bowl, to be completely honest. And so um, it's the same situation for Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. You had Nick Saban. Uh, he was asked on the reaction show um, you know, by, by Marty Smith. Uh, just kind of, you know, what your thoughts are and everything. And Nick Saban just said it's still a good opportunity. But, I mean, you could tell he was he was disappointed and he didn't want to be doing that interview. Um, here, here is another question that I have for you, Brent. This is something we were asked on the Monday night chat. Um, the easy answer is everybody can stand to benefit. But you do get 15 extra bowl practices. Um, there's no evidence that I can find that, you know, being bowl eligible really helps for the next season, but it's not like it hurts. Um, there's a lot of young guys on this team that I feel like could really benefit from some bowl practices. Uh, who would be some of those young guys? Some young offensive linemen that really didn't get a whole lot of run? Some of those young linebackers on special teams? Who were some guys that could, outside of Joe Milton, of course, who's not a young guy, could really benefit from this extra phase of the season? Oh, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, Chaz Nimrod at the receiver spot, uh, is a guy who th there's an opportunity for there, and, and he may have, I mean, he may maybe suddenly thrust in. He wants to know about Taven Jackson, so I'll just go ahead and answer that one, Mike. We appreciate you in the super chat, but um, I, I think Taven's going to be able to practice some. I don't know that he, I mean, I don't know that he'll be able to play in the game, but I think he's going to be able to maybe do a few things here and there uh, just in terms of some, you know, not necessarily 11 on 11 stuff, but I mean, in terms of big picture, I think Chaz Nimrod's one that, that immediately jumps to mind for me. Uh, defensively, James Pierce, uh, Joshua Joseph's playing a lot, but I mean, Jordan Phillips, an opportunity for him to do some things on the defensive interior, perhaps. Um, 
you know, Elijah Herring at linebacker comes to mind. Caleb Perry at linebacker comes to mind. Jordan Thomas in the back end certainly jumps out there as a guy that you would like to see some more from. Uh, you know, what, what about a guy like D Williams? I mean, you, you probably need to figure out where D Williams can play for you. And maybe you can use part of the bowl practice to figure that out, you know, and, and I'm not saying flipping positions right now, but get him some, get him some burn or some run, if you will, and some extra, you know, fundamental work or young guys, seven on seven, 11 work and just figure out, I mean, if he can't play corner, can he help you on the offensive side of the ball? Get a yeah. jump start of an evaluation there. Um, and then you got, you know, the early enrollees are going to be here. I, I don't think that that's a huge thing, Eric, that, that, that those guys are suddenly going to just going to come in and make a lot of noise, but you're going to have them here. And that's going to give you some depth that may let you do some more fundamental work with young offensive linemen and young defensive linemen. And you're not risking a guy getting hurt in practice, going in some extra period work, so to speak with young guys. So you got extra bodies there to work, which is not a bad thing as well. I think 14, um, I think 14 midterm enrollees are going to be here, something like that for, for bowl is that practice. Uh, is that it's become common? I mean, it's um, like that. It's many. become. I, I know that there's always a couple, but like 14 seems like a lot. Well, I, I think right now with block scheduling in high school, um, you know, where you can get so many credit hours now because you're doing, you know, you're doing semesters instead of the full year class so many guys can graduate early. It's not, it's not that it used to be hard to graduate early. Like you had to do a lot of extra work to graduate early. You really don't have to now, if you stay on track, mm -hmm. you, you know, and if somebody takes a, a high school class as an eighth grader, you know, which is more and more common, you, you can get out pretty quickly. And so a lot of those guys have been on that path. I think you're going to see more and more guys get out at midterm. And listen, if a guy comes to practice here two weeks before signing day, guess what you don't have to do. You don't, don't have, have to worry. worry. Don't have to keep calling them. Yeah, you don't have to worry about what school may be trying to slip into the to the living room in the last week to try to take a guy away. And yeah. so it's a great way to manage your recruiting class if you can get a, a bunch of them here where you don't have to worry about a new coach coming in and stealing an in-state guy late or something like that. So I think coaches see value in it that way as well as guys getting an early start on you know what some things look like. Wayne chimes in with a $10 super chat. Wayne, really, really do appreciate you, my man. A lot of young talent can be developed at this time. No doubt. Again, I, I think that it is a uh, an opportunity. It can only help you. It's not going to hurt you. My opinion on the whole early enrollee thing, and you're exactly right in terms of get these guys on campus, let them get some practices in there. If they're here, you're, you're not worrying till the end, essentially. That's a, that's a really good point. But, um, it, you know, it's – it's not going to hurt them, but it's like this is not this big jump ahead. You know, they're not going to come in and immediately take second string reps at this practice. First off, there's an acclimation period. Second of all, it's not fair to the players who have actually been here. Third of all, they don't know. They don't know the playbook or anything. It's just not how it works. But allowing those guys to see what a practice looks like, what a meeting room, what, what a day. And it's not even a full day because there's no school at this point, but kind of what a day in the life of a student athlete looks like. That's the real value there, more so than anything X's and O's, in my opinion. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue to see. But kind of on that note, um, recruiting. Tennessee did have five official visitors in this weekend, four of which are commits, one of which is a target, Aaron Carter. What's the latest in that regard? We'll get Austin Price, who will join us right here on the Rocky Top Rewind when we return. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We got a final segment left here, about oh, 14, 15 minutes left here on this edition of the Rocky Top Rewind. I'm Eric Kane. That man is Brent Hubbs. Awesome Price will join us here in just a moment to give us the latest in recruiting. National Signing Day just a couple of weeks away, and Tennessee coaches are out on the recruiting trail doing those in home visits, going by the schools. A lot going on in that regard. But also, when you turn about roster management, Brent, December 5th, that is tomorrow. And it's already been a little while this past week. It's going to get even crazier with the underclassmen officially allowed to enter that first window of the transfer portal. Just another uh, example of how college football is different now than what it was five years ago. Yeah, and I'm going to be curious to see who goes in, you know, Monday. I mean, it, here's the thing. If you know you're going in, um, what's the what's the advantage of waiting till Monday to go out and publicly say you're going in, Right. I mean, what, what do you, I'm not, if your team's playing, I get that, that, but I mean, why not go in today and let everybody know you're, you're planning on going in early, which we've seen a lot of guys say, Hey, I'm going to enter it Monday when it opens up. Yeah. So will there be this huge rush of brand new names? There'll be some, but, but how many will there be tomorrow that people have just set on it and not put it out on social media, what their plans are? Cause a lot of those people have put it out there to try to get a jump start, right? Try to get an early deal. Um, and, and see what schools might be interested through through different ways of communicating and, and talking to guys on teams and stuff like that. So uh, we'll see. There'll be a lot of activity tomorrow. I think you'll see a lot of offers. Um, I think you'll see a lot of school or a lot of players talking about schools that are going to visit and that type of thing. I'd be curious to see just how many bl- just links and link- numbers and numbers of, of guys coming in um, are, are going to be really interesting to see. I, I don't know that it's going to be as crazy initially as some people may think it's going to be. It might be, but but we'll see what it looks like. Yeah, I'm intrigued too. I mean, Tennessee's already had uh, four players announce that they are, or five players, excuse me, announce that they are going to enter the transfer portal. Uh, tied in Miles Campbell, two wide receivers and Jimmy Holiday and Jimmy Callaway, two running backs and Justin Williams Thomas and uh, Laneith Whitehead. None of those a major surprise. A couple of them definitely not a surprise. I think the biggest upside, or at least the guy who's shown enough on tape, um, or anything on tape, would be Jimmy Holiday, of course, because he's returned some kicks. Um, but I would expect there just to be some more modern movement from Tennessee. I mean, you're seeing that some of the best teams in the country saw some Clemson players, some Georgia players go in the portal early today. Um, I would expect some more smaller names like that. But again, it might not be this big mass exodus like we've all just kind of uh, been insinuating at least until maybe not for your team I guess we'll just kind of have to see but that's kind of the nature of the beast right now and you have to uh, meet with your players that's what they did last week everybody met with their position coach everybody met with Josh Heupel kind of saying this is where you're at this is where I see you and then you got to go and make a decision for you and a couple of guys have already made that decision yeah they have and, and that will continue so you know we'll see a lot of those guys from Georgia and Clemson went in today because they didn't play 
or that because they played last night and so they didn't want to be any kind of distraction that's kind of a a thing i think for um you know as a measure of respect for the program that they're in i mean i'm sure dj knew he was going to the transfer portal but why why let that be the storyline right after the game last night or or even before the game came come about so um i think a lot of people knew or know you know handle it that way where, where they're trying to do better for the team um, and do better for the program. Let's get a couple of questions in here. Austin's going to jump in here as well. We'll get a couple of questions here. Justin wants to know about the the Missouri receiver Lovett. Do you think Tennessee becomes a factor there? I think the first thing with Lovett, Eric, is everybody wants to is trying to figure out what's he looking for. A lot of these guys in the portal are looking for NIL deals, and what are they asking for? And how many guys are playing the market out there and playing the field? And if they don't get what they like, are they going to go back to the school that they're from? Um, that's kind of been the vibe out there a little bit. Would love it. We'll see. I mean, he, he may end up taking four visits, and we'll see if Tennessee's involved in that one or not, Austin. But that's going to be the challenge, I think, for coaches is, you know, who is, who's realistic, who's not, who's just looking for a money grab, what's somebody worth. There's a lot of balancing going on to the transfer portal here starting in the morning when this thing gets cranking where you can have the interaction and the conversation with each other. Yeah, uh, I would expect Tennessee to be fairly active. We're talking to several people, love it being one of them. It doesn't mean it'll go anywhere. Um, but, yeah, I think Tennessee's going to reach out to several guys. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of posturing going on out there. There's posturing going on all across college football, including Tennessee, um, to the point where, like, players that you might not even think, you know, um, would even think about going to the portal are entertaining it because, you know, um, NIL money and and, you know, fit and so on and so forth. So um, we'll see what Tennessee does. I, I ultimately think Tennessee would like to go bigger at receiver. Love it's a smaller guy. You kind of know what you have with squirrel. Um, you know, I, I don't expect Jalen Hyatt to be back. Cedric Tillman's gone. Um, I think Tennessee would love to add a receiver, but I, I think it would, they'd want a bigger guy. But again, you get into a conversation with him, you may love his makeup and, and, and that changes the whole deal. Yeah, I mean they've they've certainly gone bigger the last two off seasons. Javante Payton, six foot three, explosive on the outside. Ruba Coy is you know Cedric Tillman, but a, an inch shorter. So um, you know you got Squirrel White coming back in the slot as well. But you're right. I mean if you talk to the guy and you really like him, then you know, potentially that can happen. And also, also I think it's important to remember not necessarily for like for for main guys who you know will get nil deals, but a lot of these guys that enter the portal thinking the the pasture's greener on the other side. If they want to come back, the school has the decision to say, no, nah, I mean, you can come back, you ain't got a scholarship. So it's kind of it's kind of one of those where you're betting on yourself as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that going on, um, whether that's trying to think about going to the NFL, whether that's thinking about going to the transfer portal. Um, you know, th there's a lot of betting on yourself. Or, or f the flip side of that is getting bad advice or making knee-jerk decisions, um, you know, that, that caused you to, you know, put yourself in a tough spot. So, um, again, I, I think grass isn't always greener. And for some of these guys, they've got to be uh, very meticulous, methodical, well thought out, um, because you can put yourself in that in the portal and all of a sudden you end up in the worst position you're currently in. And then you're like, wait, what? how, how did that happen? I thought I was going to end up with NIL cash and, you know, instant playing time. Instead, you ended up with nothing and uh, nothing. Tennessee had five official visitors wrapped up their visits earlier today. Uh, four commits, and then obviously the one that was not committed. Uh, Aaron Carter, four-star in-state linebacker that saw his recruitment 
take off about midseason when they uh, when they uh, started playing him at linebacker instead of running back. Uh, what did Arian Carter have to say about his Tennessee visit, and how do you think the Vols did this weekend in that regard, knowing that Bama is the leader in the clubhouse? Good, good, solid visit. Think they Tennessee made up a lot of ground. Think the family had a good time. Think that Arian had a good time. Is it enough to overcome Alabama? We'll see. Again, he's going to visit there this coming weekend. But, you know, a lot of it can be just as simple as, you know, feeling the vibe. You know, does he does he feel like it's family? Does he feel like it's at home at Alabama? Or did Tennessee show him that and he feels better about, you know, kind of where things are with Tennessee? I, I ultimately think that this thing's gotten really, really tight, and I don't think you'll know until come, coming up next weekend. Now, interestingly enough, he is going to sign early, but not announce his decision to the Army All-American game. Um, we all know how that plays out. You know, normally the team that, you know, does not land Arion will uh, link it out. So for, for a weekend like this, when Tennessee had four commits in here, and I, I know every commit's different. I mean, the four that were here are pretty solid Tennessee commits. There are some commits that you're always going to hold on to and, and kind of pray until the end here, but – What's a weekend do for that kind of group when you have four guys that you're really solid with and just and just one guy that is not committed? I know they're trying. I know Caleb Herring was trying to play the role of recruiter himself, but outside of Carter, there really wasn't much juice to the recruiting weekend. I feel like the weekends to come and and the weeks to come will be a little bit different. Well, I think what you're going to see in in you know the rest of the way until the early signing period is elijah davis and that's about it now what i think you can see is transfer visits you know and in january transfer visits so um uh, you know for the the current group that was here this weekend you know it's more about checking the box taking your official visit a lot of these guys you know they they dream about taking you know getting to commit to the school they think about taking the official visit to the school they're committed to um, it's all about checking the box and just continuing to kind of, you know, show these guys, Hey, this is where I want you when you get here. You currently weigh this. We want to get you to that. When you get here for bowl practice, we're going to focus on this. When we get in the you know nutrition room, we will, you know, I mean, I think it was Rodney, you know, Elijah said this in the interview, but you know, or Caleb said this in the interview, Caleb Herring, you know, Rodney Garner basically said, we'll hook a steak IV to you. We got to, <laughs> we got to put weight on you. So, I mean, you know, um, you know, I, I think that's as as big of anything right now is what they're kind of focused on when these kids come to campus. Sad thing is he's already gotten a whole lot bigger than this time last year as well. So he is, he is making some progress. Uh, Austin, Justin wants to know any 2024 is getting close. I know that there's a, a great crop of in-state 2024s. Any of those guys getting close? Yeah, I, I do think that, you know, you look at, you know, Evan Spillman, I think he's getting closer. Um, I mean, that one could pop at any time. Could pop in December. Could be all the way up until March. I think he's done by sometime early spring um, at the latest. Um, you know, Boo Carter, Tessie continues to be in a good spot there. Marcus Gorey, Tessie continues to be in a good spot there. It's just a matter of the kids deciding, okay, I'm ready to pull the trigger and actually doing it. So, um, again, Tessie's in a really good spot with Kamaro Brown. Um, outside the state, Tessie's in a, a really good spot with Ryan Wingo. And, uh, you know, they'll gear up for those – you know, likely a January junior day, and then, of course, junior days in March. Austin, you've had five uh, Tennessee Vols announce that they are going to enter the transfer portal. All offensive, by the way. Yeah, all offensive. Does that change Tennessee's plans for attacking the portal, uh, or is that it, it? does it change, or was it always going to be the thing where you're going to go try to find this position, that position? But you had two receivers and two running backs 
and a tight end, obviously, where you're already going to go and try to find a tight end. Yeah, I don't think it changes Tennessee's plan. Um, I think Tennessee will take, um, you know, multiple tight ends. Um, even if Jacob Warren came back, I could see them taking multiple tight ends. Now, they don't have to. If Jacob Warren decides to come back, you could just take one. But I think, you know, there's a chance Tennessee takes uh, multiple tight ends. Um, you know, offensive tackle, very, very important. Uh, you know, again, defensive line, secondary, you know, you know, Tennessee wants to improve across the board. And then again, if you had the right guy fall your way at receiver, the right guy fall your way at at uh, at, at running back, you're, you're going to give them a look. But I think right now, if you said, as we say here on December 4th, running back or receiver, I think Tennessee's taking a, a receiver more so than a running back. It's interesting, too, because, I mean, you were in a situation this year for most of the year where you had four scholarship running backs. Uh, you, you may do, but if you remember in 2021 – you know, you, you had to turn to a walk-on to get some critical carries. I think you want some more of that. So that's kind of surprising to me a little bit. Um, last thing, Austin, uh, anything you want to mention on Alex Golish taking the job at U, 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 USF and uh, Tennessee going to the Orange Bowl? No, not really. Um, you know, Coach Golish has wanted to be a head coach for uh, quite a while, and uh, I think he would love to have been in play more at Cincinnati. They talked to him, but uh, ultimately it looks like they're going to go in a different direction. Um, they wanted somebody that's been a head coach before, and uh, you know, Coach Golish is going to take his shot at South, South Florida. Uh, I think it was Hubs earlier in the show that talked about you know the places. You know, it's been tough on coaches. Coach Golish is a good coach. He's a really good football mind. Uh, I think he'll you know surround people, um, you know, surround himself with quality people. Um, I'd be shocked if he's if, if he's not a winner. Now again, what what's winning at South Florida? You know, I think that's the biggest thing is can he get them to six, seven wins fairly quick, and then and then try to build off of that. Ultimately, you're going to have a chance to bring in some talent there. Um, and can you can you take out of the portal guys from Alabama or Auburn or Tennessee or whoever that haven't been able to get on the field at those SEC schools but just want to play, and they're really still talented players and make them a fit at South Florida? I think that's key. And as for the Orange Bowl, um, you know, the uh, best, best – situation for Tennessee when you think about game, game time, atmosphere, opponent, weather for fans, so on and so forth. I don't think it could be any better than 8 o'clock December 30th for the Vols. On the way out, Super Chat, Mike sends us one in. Austin, in your opinion, will Tennessee's next offensive coordinator be from outside or inside the program? Uh, I'd say I will go inside because I think they'll just – Give the title probably to Joey Halsley if you if, if, if as we said here on December fourth that's not some kind of like prediction that it's going to happen. I'm just kind of reading tea leaves and I just feel like Coach Heupel is going to go out and try to hire a tight ends coach. If he does that, then I expect it just to be a, a coordinator um, title for Coach Halsley. And I think you know Coach Heupel would love to bring Coach Halsey along. Coach Halsey's still relatively young; he's 36. Um, he's, he's still you know he took a few years off to you know, away from the game and then got back in. I think he just wants to continue to bring him along, let him learn, and uh, see where it goes from there. But, you know, Coach Halsley's a really smart uh, football mind as well and, you know, does a really nice job in the quarterback room. Mike, we appreciate the Super Chat. We always appreciate the Super Chats, and we always appreciate all you guys for hanging out with us in the comments section and joining us every single Sunday night at 8 o'clock for the Rocky Top Rewind. Don't forget, if you're watching this right now, please like this video and subscribe to the VolQuest YouTube channel if you haven't already. And uh, take advantage of this deal. As Austin Price will say, it's a, it's a nice little stocking stuffer with Christmas right around the corner. 
$10, a VolQuest.com subscription up until kickoff 2023. But you can be a part of our site. Tons and tons of premium content, as you can see right there on the front page. Tennessee football, recruiting, uh, Tennessee basketball, Tennessee baseball. We've got it all. That's at VolQuest.com. One-year subscription for only $10. Guys, we appreciate it. We'll be back next Sunday night at 8 o'clock. For more of the Rocky Top Rewind, for Awesome Price and Brent Hubs, I'm Eric Kane. Thank you so much for watching us on the Rocky Top Rewind. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.